0: Christian Heritage Ministry in cooperation with Fuller Seminary proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles Eiffel.
1: Just before we stand and sing Heavenly Sunshine, I feel constrained to ask you, not only here in the visible audience, but out in the radio audience, outside of Christ, you need Heavenly Sunshine. And I'm asking you today that if you should die in your sins, God says you cannot go where Jesus is, but you would spend the eternal ages in separation from God, who is life, light, and love. And before we sing Heavenly Sunshine, may I beseech you to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, for God's word says, Him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And no man cometh unto the Father except through him. And May you come today. God bless you. You whose hearts are troubled, in whose hearts there is no peace. As we sing Heavenly Sunshine, won't you kneel by your radio if it's at all possible, and give your heart to Christ today and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Christ's sake. We're going to sing with that in view. That you may have this heavenly sunshine, Jesus, the light of the world, come into your heart. Let's stand and sing, heavenly sunshine. As you sing through the first time, turn around and shake hands with as many as possible. All together now on this course that's gone around the world on heavenly sunshine. Heavenly, heavenly God, Lord, God, Lord, God. Lord, God. hands. Give everybody a good hand, this way
0: and lift it up.
1: Thank you, and be seated, please. May I remind you of our mailing address,
0: Old-Fashioned Revival Hour, 700 Locust Street, Pasadena, California, 91101.
1: We're trying here Sunday after Sunday to be faithful in sending out the glorious gospel, the good news of salvation, and we are earnestly asking you to be faithful in standing by with your prayers, for this is a faith work and we go just as God makes it possible.
0: same
2: Guides the eagle through the pathless air and sure.
3: Friend, I hardly know which letters to read to you today. We've rejoiced over letters from all over the world, and especially those reporting conversions in Britain, where ours seems to be one of the very few evangelical programs. But first, I want to read a letter from Central California from a mother who has listened to Mr. Fuller with her family for over 25 years, who received inspiration as a new Christian from some of his first sermons. And I hope you will not feel it is unfitting for me to say that this letter is truly a great tribute to my precious husband, as he is getting on in years and is lately more than a bit weary, to know that the memory of the first sermon she heard him preach has lingered with her, and that her fine family, all Christian, have been blessed through the years by the old-fashioned revival hour. As I read this letter again to Mr. Fuller this morning while preparing my letters for today, he sighed and said, Yes, my work for God over these years has not been spectacular or as good as it might have been, but I have tried always to be faithful to the book. Let me read this lovely letter to you. Dear Mr. Fuller, I wonder how many can remember what you preached many years ago. It was around 1923 that we piled our entire family into our Ford car and drove over to Placentia to hear you in your small church there. Afterwards, when you first went on the radio, we attended some of those broadcasts over a shoe store in Long Beach. But on that first Sunday in the little church, do you remember what you preached on? Squaring your life up with God's word. And you made motions with your hands as if a building were in front of you. And you said, is your life out of line? If so, square it up with the word. Yes, you were preaching on the word and most intensely. I was around 30 in those days, a new Christian, and your sermons had great blessing for me. We have listened to you as a family through the years, prayed for you and your broadcast, and have helped to support the work. When the children were home, we all listened, I suppose, without a single lapse, and received the heart-to-heart talks regularly. Our son will graduate from seminary this June, and he wrote from New Jersey recently that he'd been hearing the hour and, quote, it reminds me of our Sunday afternoons at home, end quote. Our daughter, who was a missionary in China, wrote from there, whom do you suppose we heard over the radio today? mr fuller and it surely made us happy like old times at home we have a forest ranger son in the north who listens to you now yes you've had a great part in teaching our children and have been a blessing and a help to us through the years my husband joins me in thanking god for the old-fashioned revival hour Well, what encouragement and happiness a letter like that brings, and it reminds me that this mother took advantage of a force right at hand which helped her in bringing up her family. That is a responsibility that every mother has, for parenthood does bring great responsibility. This lady also mentions a daughter leaving in May for the Philippine Islands. Well, she has a rich reward in her Christian family who will rise up and call her blessed. Now, briefly from Belfast, Ireland, from the superintendent of a railway mission there. Dear Mr. Fuller, you'll be glad to know that men have been won to Christ by your messages over the wireless. I have heard testimonies given from the platform of our hall by men who have found Christ as Savior from hearing you. Perhaps this will inspire you to greater and more devoted service, dear brother. Never get weary. As you hear the tramp, tramp of men, day by day, going out into a Christless eternity. A lady writes a touching letter from England. No name ever, remember that, no names given, no locality even, generally. I'll read you part of her letter. This is the last one. Dear Dr. Fuller, I want to ask if you will help me. I listened quite by accident two weeks ago, and I've heard your following broadcasts intentionally. As a child, I sang the lovely hymns you sing, but I had forgotten them long ago, or at least I thought I had. But on that first Thursday night, I sang them again with you, and it seemed as if the years between had never been. I would felt again the faith that I had lost, lost so completely. Now I am so confused as to how to straighten things out. I have been arguing with myself for two hours since your broadcast ended at 12 midnight. Please, I ask you to pray for me. Well, we do pray for you, dear lady. And though our listeners have no idea who you are or where you are, I am sure God's Holy Spirit will lay your burdened soul on their hearts for prayer. And now, friends, I ask Mr. Leland Green, the director of our choir, to lead in singing Our God, Our Help in ages past, for all our friends in the British Empire.
1: song sheets, please, and turn to number 140, and sing two verses of He leadeth me. May we stand, please, and sing this grand old song of the faith. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort brought our heads in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the shepherd work of thy beloved Son, leading us into green pastures beside the still waters. And yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadowed death, we'll fear no evil, for thou art with us. And we thank thee for this gently leading us home. But as we pray today on the old-fashioned revival hour, May men and women be reminded over the nations of earth that it's appointed unto men once to die, no matter in what social level of life it's appointed unto men once to die, after that the judgment. And we pray that men's hearts may be turned to the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world today, that the Holy Spirit may apply the message, and thousands upon thousands come by faith and be washed in the precious blood and become new creations through him, and be ready for the eternal ages ahead. For we ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.
0: art
1: and revival hour brought to you by the gospel broadcasting association from the municipal auditorium at long beach california this is charles e fuller speaking
0: open your bibles to the book of ephesians chapter four as we rejoin the broadcast i'll provide additional information after dr fuller's message
1: Bibles and turn to the fourth chapter of Ephesians, beginning at the twentieth verse. We have a series of messages on this Alps of the New Testament, with one outstanding purpose in view, that you who are members of the body of Christ may be prepared to meet your Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, and hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. In Ephesians 4:17 to 19, the Holy Spirit lays before us a very striking contrast between the believer's former unsaved life and his present new life. This is seen especially in the first three verses where the description of our old life is given. For we note four things that we preached upon a week ago. First of all, every person outside of Christ is spiritually dead alienated from the life of God. You're cut off from the life of God, no matter who you are, no matter how educated and how intellectual you may be, what your rating with Dun & Bradstreet may be. If you're not born again, you're dead in trespasses and sin. You're alienated from the life of God. Not only that, but you're in mental darkness with your understanding being darkened. You're a child of darkness under the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Also, you're in a state of moral degeneracy. You do not repent and turn to Christ. You'll come to a point where you'll be past feeling with your conscience seared and no hope of salvation. I'm giving it to you just as straight as I know how. Not only that, but you'll go down into physical depravity, walking with all uncleanness God help you to repent and be converted, or except you repent and be converted, you shall perish. And beginning with verse 20 through 24, we see God's portrait of our new life in Christ Jesus and the obligations connected therewith from verses 25 to the end of the chapter. Now, here it is. Your personal acceptance of Christ as Savior, if that acceptance was real and honest, and true, and not a mere profession or lip service, brought about a great change in your life, a complete change about face. You turned to God from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for his Son from heaven. There was a great change within and without. First of all, within, God gave you a new heart. With new desires, a heart loosened from the sins by the precious blood of Christ you began to serve a new master, the Lord Jesus, and your new allegiance was given gladly to Christ the King of kings and Lord of lords. Without, you began to walk in a new sphere, putting off your former manner of life or behavior, which was corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and you became renewed in the spirit of your mind, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. You began to see eternal things and to evaluate things in the light of eternity. You began to realize that this present world system, though evil, will soon pass away, but by doing the will of God, you will abide forever. And so in verses 21 and 22, we find these words, or the 20th verse, but ye have not so learned Christ. You have learned Christ, and then in the 21st verse, ye have heard him and have been taught by him. Three things, you have learned Christ, you have heard him, and you have been taught by him. And now, according to the following verses, you put on the new man, beginning at the 23rd verse, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. But wait, a word of warning and instruction. I just feel constrained to give this. Do you still have the glow in your heart, that glow that you received the day of your conversion? You heard the gospel, you believed, and you received Christ as your Savior. It was a wonderful time of happiness and joy. Your sins were forgiven. You knew it because you believed God's Word. You wanted to shout. You were eager to tell everyone about the newfound Savior. But now, perhaps the glow of your converted days is somewhat dimmed. Perhaps you have slipped back into some former sinful habit or vice or sins of the old life, and you're miserable, and there's no joy, and there's no peace, and no happiness. Well, bear in mind this, that he that is born of God does not commit sin, that is, make a practice of sin. And God's means of restoration is given us. For if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For we have an advocate, an attorney at the court of heaven, who pleads our cause and says continually to the Father, lay that to my account. I bore his sins on Calvary's cross. And so come back today through the confession of sin and walk in obedience to God's word. In the joy of your first days, of conversion, will be restored. For if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. Now note verse 25. To the end of chapter 4, God sets forth the new life in Christ Jesus and its obligations. A strange injunction to us who are members of the body of Christ. Here we have some of the very practical, definite obligations to fulfill I'll only have time to go down to the 29th verse. But notice what God says to us who are born again believers. You're truly born again. I'm I'm talking to you. Then you are a witness unto Jesus Christ. God says you are to depart from iniquity to bring forth the fruits of righteousness for God's glory. That men seeing your good works will glorify your Father which is in heaven. Wherefore, verse 25. Wherefore, because of your new life in Christ Jesus, setting you free from the old life, what does he say? Notice it. Putting away lying. Strange. A believer is supposed to tell the truth. Now he says, put away lying. For lying is part of the deeds, the baggage, the impedimenta of the old man and the old nature. We expect those that are dead in trespasses and sin and energized by Satan to be liars. They are. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his doing. And the word for lying means a lie, conscious or intentional, or an intentional falsehood. Falsehood in every form. A lie is anything said or done with the intention of deceiving. You're guilty and I'm guilty. God says for us who are witnesses to put away lying. Be honest. Now the devil is a liar. The father, the originator of lies and liars. And by lying, you become a channel for Satan, the father of lies to you. There are all kinds of liars, but I think the one that God hates more than anything else is a religious liar. First John 1, 6. Listen, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You're a liar. You say you're a Christian. You say you're a believer and walk in darkness and do the deeds of the old nature. You're a liar. 1 John 2, four. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. 1 John 2.22 Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, the one God-appointed intercessor, mediator, the one appointed by God upon whom the sins of the world were caused to strike on Calvary's mountain. No other one, no other name, no other way of salvation. And any man be he preacher, with robes of purple or whatever they may be, standing behind the sacred desk And if he denies Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, I say on the authority of God's Word, he is a liar. Is that straight? 1 John 4.20 If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. Now, Revelation 21 tells us what's going to happen to those that are liars. Let me read God's Word to you. But the fearful... And the unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. 27th verse, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Fifteenth verse of the twenty-second of Revelation. Here it is. For without are dogs, and sorcerers, and whoremongers, and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Let God's Word cut you down, for it is sharper than any two-edged sword. There is no such thing as a saved liar. If you are saved, you are saved from lying. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Christ is the head of this body, the invisible spiritual church. You and I are living grafted in members. Therefore, speak truth, every man truth with his neighbor. We are in living union with Christ our head. And with our fellow members. And dare you lie to your fellow believer? God help you. Verse 26, strange words, says, Be ye angry. Now immediately God puts up four checks or four guards about being angry. First of all, He says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. And down at verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, in the third chapter of Mark, verse 5, Jesus, it's recorded there, looked around about on them, that is the Pharisees, one day with anger, being grieved at the blindness of their heart. Now, Christ pitied them in their morally blinded condition and longed to help. And he was angered because of their resistance of the work of God whom they professed to serve. God is angry against sin and those that profess to be religious but are hypocrites. God is angry against sin, but he loves the sinner Let me read to you God's Word. I may not finish this message today, but somehow I feel that the Holy Spirit is burning the way. The Word into your heart. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. That's God's anger against sin you read Romans 1.18 for the wrath of God, and Romans 2.5, and Romans 2.8, and Romans 5.9. God loves the sinner but hates sin, and so He says, Be ye angry. What does it mean? Abhor that which is evil. And at the end of the day, search your heart if any anger is there because someone has stepped on your toes or the toes of one of your friends and your desire to get even, let not the sun go down on that kind of anger. Do not let your anger be such as will give place to the devil, for the devil has no place in the Spirit-filled Christian life. Again, it says, let him that stole steal no more. What does he mean? Strange, isn't it? He's speaking to the Ephesian believers. One of the most fundamental churches of its day. He says in verse 28 there of Ephesians, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Lying, anger, stealing, very common sins in all the land. And perhaps some may say, Well, I'm not guilty of theft or embezzlement or of such crimes. Wait, did it ever occur to you that stealing is withholding from God that which should be given him because we wish to hoard it or spend it upon ourselves. Malachi 3.8 Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? He comes right back and hits you in the pocketbook in tithes and offerings. And any professing member of the body of Christ that withholds his tithes and offerings and does not give them into God's work steal. From God and God will deal with you. Mark my word. Great blessing to those that tithe and So he says Bring ye in all the tithes into the storehouse or God's work, whatever field it may be, and see if I'll not pour out a blessing to you such as you're not able to contain. Then I want to close with this and Oh how my blood boils when I get into some meeting and hear the dirty stories and putrid Foul communication. So he says in the 29th verse, Listen to me now. Be a good witness. Let no corrupt, putrid, foul, unfit language ever come out of your mouth. That hits us, doesn't it? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Corrupt speech has but one source. The unclean flow from an unclean heart. Unclean stories, coarse jokes idle, inane, talk with no meaning or profit to anyone, is out of place with God's blood-bought children. And so let your speech be seasoned with salt and to the edification of the church. To the edification of those that you talk to. And next time some dirty, foul-mouthed fellow starts to tell a dirty story and make fun of the marriage relation and the sanctity of the home, tell him off. Tell him that you're a member of the body of Christ. You don't want to hear that dirty putrid stuff coming out of his unclean heart. Let's be real witnesses and abhor that which is evil. And one of the signs of the time is that we're becoming soft, tolerant, looking upon things that we know are wrong without strong conviction, standing and contending for the faith once delivered and being a good witness unto the Lord Jesus. You say amen? Amen. Next Sunday, Lord willing, I'll speak upon grieving not the Holy Spirit, but to you who are outside of Christ. To you who are in that putrid, language sphere of the world. To you who are unclean, dead in trespasses and sin. God says, I love you, but I hate what you're doing. And if you die in your sins, you cannot go where Jesus is. Let's bow our heads in prayer. As we're bowed before him, and I trust that your heads are bowed in the various homes across the nation. Especially to those of you who are outside of Christ. God is not willing that any should perish. You were alienated from God. Cut off from the life that's in Christ Jesus. Why will you die? Why will you perish? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He says, come now, let us reason together, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Will you come? God bless you. Fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, Flee to the place of refuge, ere the wrath of God comes down. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after that, the judgment. And while our heads are bowed in this splendid, visible audience in Long Beach today, as God is speaking to you, how many will put your hand up quickly and say, pray for me? I need Christ, and I want Christ as my personal Savior. Pray for me. Put your hand up and say, pray for me, will you? We must close. We'll have a short altar service and we'll remember these that have raised their hands in prayer. Continue in prayer as we leave the air.
0: Mr. Charles, we are bidding you goodbye God's richest blessing upon you. Jesus, I come to thee.